for me, I, I don't think that the next generation is taking to the old school way of doing things and that obviously I'm a product of that and I'm finding a way to make the industry work for me. Welcome back, everybody, to the Con Expo Con A podcast that I am super happy to announce that is now brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Not only are they the sponsor of our podcast, but they will be at the show with some pretty amazing stuff that I know you will not want to miss. But today, I have a guest that I have been following online for a few years now, and we share the exact same love for wastewater treatment and yellow machinery. Alexandra Smith, or as most of you know her as, Al the Little Operator. Al, thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Taylor. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And for people that don't know, I first found you on Instagram. Actually, I think it was from hashtagging. I think it was like septics or something like that. And I remember going like, holy crap, like there's a there's a, a woman out there that actually shares the exact same love for wastewater treatment, uh, such as myself, which is, I mean, first of all, finding a woman in the construction industry is like, Wow. Awesome. And then finding it even more down niche into the, the what we do as far as septics, which I want to get into, was super cool. So, yeah, that was uh, one of the reasons why I first found you out. I honestly didn't know that. That's actually too funny. It's something so simple that I don't really think about often, like using the hashtags, like like you said, the hashtag septic system, like it's something silly, like you don't think about that you put. And I mean, look, like we managed to find each other online and, you know, end up talking on a platform like this about what we do. So it's incredible how that works. <laughs> so share with us a little bit about, I mean, I don't want to skip over all the other stuff, you know, like I want to, I want to know, because I'm genuinely curious too. Then that's why I love having people on the podcast. Cause I get to find out more cause we've never gotten to chat before. Basically like, who are you and, and what do you do? I mean, I'm Al the little operator. I run equipment and install septic systems and I'm learning to design them next, which is kind of my next step. I'm self-employed right now. I was working for the family business full time, but I'm kind of ready to take on more on my own. Um, so I kind of work for a couple contractors in the area who, you know, don't specialize in septic systems. Uh, they'll do the site work and I'll come in and I'll put the field in and do all the connections and things like that. Um, so that's how I'm kind of getting my foot in the door because, you know, this industry working in septic systems in particular, it's a lot of um, word of mouth recommendation. So I don't want to step on any toes. And at the same time, I want to learn as much as I can from everyone who's been doing this for such a long time. So this is kind of the best way I found to go about it for me. So right now, yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, I, I still work for the family business. I do septic systems with them and, you know, residential house lots. But I'm really pushing like myself in terms of focusing on getting my name out there for people who need septic systems for companies that can't find help, um, whether it's too expensive to keep them full time and keep them busy, you know, or they're just a one man crew and, you know, they just need a help for one day. That's actually really interesting. So you're New Hampshire, correct? Yes. So here in, in Ontario, if we want to design, it's just, it's a, it's a course. It's a, I forget how many hours of a course that you have to take and you have to pass. And then obviously you can do them, whether or not you're good at them is another thing. So what's the process like there in order to be able to be a designer? For New Hampshire, you have to take a, just like a basic test. I don't want to say it's a basic test, but it's, it's a, you know, everyone has a requirement, a certification or whatever for my, for my, um, 
for my septic installer's license, I had to go in and take a test, which was easier, shorter, and obviously like different material. But the septic designers course, there is no course, actually. They, they used to have a course in the state. They don't do that anymore. But now, yeah, the test is like six hours long. You have to design four septic systems for like the first half of the test. And then it's all like short answer stuff. And, you know, it sounds like, oh, it's pretty straightforward. But as someone who I don't have a background in CAD drafting, you know, I'm not, it's a whole new like field for me to learn. And it's a hard test. I've taken it twice now and I've failed. And I'm not, I'm not someone who goes and tries something and I don't try my best. I mean, I've been working and doing this for two years in the field. It's not the field's work that I struggle with. It's learning like all the weird ins and outs of septic design. So for you, if you're doing, I I notice you guys do more commercial septics. I don't do those. And they test me on commercial septics and they have a whole different rule book. Different calculations for flow. Different calculations for flow. And that's a lot of what I've been struggling with. So, um, but um, you have to teach yourself out of the handbook and then you have to find somebody if you're lucky you know, to take you under their wing and show you how to do it. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I, I'm I'm the exact same way. I failed my septic course, exact same. I could install septics all day long, but the actual theory part of it, I just never was a school person. Even in high school, like I was not a good student. I did not get good grades, but like I was better at like, you know, like wood shop or auto shop and, and stuff like that. That's a really interesting take. I mean, like where did the love for that? Obviously, did it start with the, the family business then? Donald Herbert Septic and Site? Like, did it start with that? And then you're like, like, what is it about wastewater? I mean, it's just, it's really interesting for me. I mean, like, because it's, you don't find too many people that are interested in it as much as me or you are. So for me, there's a couple things at play. It's my dad's involvement in my life and getting me into equipment at a young age. So it became an aspect of like my daily life. And um, then from there, he would bring me on septic jobs in particular, not just the house lots. Also, I'm naturally a more environmentally friendly person. So I've always liked the idea that septic systems are better for the environment as opposed to sewage, which is like a a thing that a lot of people don't really think about or talk about when they see that I'm doing septic systems. Either they assume they have one or they assume they don't and they don't even understand what it is and how it works. So for me, that was super important. And then um, knowing like the ins and outs of the business for so many years. Like I like, I like the process. I like knowing that this is what I've got to do in and out. I enjoy the labor and the, the machine work combination that I'm not doing the same thing, that there's new challenges, same rules, but not the same rules, depending on if you have waivers. Like there's just so much. I love it. Yeah. Cause each one's different, right? I mean, like you could go to one lot and the well's closer or you, this one has to be tighter to the house. But like, and and yeah, this, it's, it's really neat that you want to kind of be that go-to person that maybe a company that doesn't have somebody on payroll to do septics, reach out to as like a consulting and like you actually do it for them and you charge your fee for that. Like, that's really neat. Like, is there a need? Like, do you see a need down there for, for people like that, that maybe get, you know, site work like uh, new homes and it's like, oh, hey, let's, uh, we want to do the septic, but we don't have the, the know-how to. And then that's where you come in. Yeah, that's actually happening a lot lately, especially with people who are just getting into the business. They don't have all the certifications or experience. So I was looking at a septic system this morning. The lot itself, it's really small. It's right on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is a really big lake in my area. 
And from the street down to the waterfront is maybe 75 feet. And in that 75 feet, there is about 15 feet of elevation change. And then there's the well right in the middle and the field is in the well radius. So (laughs) it's going to be a really fun one. I can't wait to work with the inspectors on this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah. When you're doing like that sort of stuff, is there a go-to system? I I know you do a lot of the Enviro uh, septics, shout out them. But is that like your your go to your favorite or like because here generally like like an example that you're saying when you're on a, a lake property, there's uh, a lot of the times where the designers, the engineers will actually tell you or the the conservation authority will be like, you have to put this type of system here or this type of system here. Then you get into really expensive treatment use and stuff, which is, again, that's what we like doing as well. Right. Because it's big, high ticket items and they're just they're not easy. That's what I like about them. So is there kind of like a go to for you or is it kind of the same process down there? So based on preference, I prefer to install a stone and pipe system. Good answer. Yes. (laughs) The process and um just, I mean, I know the longevity, but Enviros are really up and coming in our area. They don't like the Elgins anymore. The Which is so weird. I know. It's it's funny because I think they're actually made in Connecticut, which is the state below where I live. I live in Massachusetts, work in New Hampshire. But also to your point on if they prefer certain types of systems going in, New Hampshire does like the Enviros. They like anything that's going to clean the effluent. And then Massachusetts is very particular. So I don't work in Mass for that reason. Mass, it's it's not a state license. It's a town-by-town license. You have to know the Mass laws of septics, and you have to know the town's specific laws on septics. You have to go take their test, pay that fee for each town you want to work in, which is why I just stick with New Hampshire. It's all licensed for the, for the entire state. The laws are pretty much the same except for certain towns. You have certain requirements. We don't require bed bottom inspections in every single septic. I don't know if that's a, a thing for you guys up there. Yeah, we always have to get underside inspection, sub base. I believe in it. I believe that you should, but it's not required for every town. Wow. Yeah. So we have three. So I, and I think maybe over a conversation on Instagram one time, I was telling you this, like, because I'm always curious about inspections, because for us, that's what can hold up us up in a lot of time. Um, and it's just lining up those is what makes you more productive. But we have a sub base. Once everything's installed and then once it's topsoiled and finished and you cannot get completion until it's topsoiled and and you get a final. So what are the inspections like where you are? Yeah, so we have one inspection. That's pretty much it. Um, Depending on like certain towns, they'll want to like witness the test pit be dug and like the park test. That's like one weird thing that happens sometimes, but not often. Normally they, they take the word of the septic designer and their log of the pit and everything like that. And then they want to see inspection when I have the pipe in, sand raked to the top, vent in, all connections made. That's the inspection they want to see. That's our second. But I mean, sometimes that can be our first. The only time we don't have to get a sub base, which is like normally like, you know, they're checking to make sure we actually scarified the ground, uh, making sure we have our clay seal in, whatever, just checking our underside. The only time we don't have to do that is if it's like, pure sand and they know that it's pure sand then it's like okay take a picture carry on to actually building the bed so they don't come and check final to make sure you didn't cheap out on you know because that's what that's ultimately i i like the inspections and and a lot of my guys and i I tell them this i'm like get used to like like because our inspectors are very diligent up here like very like if you're a centimeter out they will fail your bed 
which is a good thing because our our slippage you know is, is super small and it makes the guys do everything exactly and it keeps other contractors honest as well too that would be the only thing i would say i guess not having a final is like because people could be like you know we have to have like minimum four inches of topsoil but no more than however so many inches you know you could kind of like go there but it's different it's crazy to hear the differences in the amount of inspections and the way that you guys do it versus us and we're really not that much further away yeah and i guess my other question for you too would be about you said like they're really diligent on where the bed is and such for me it's really like that on waterfront properties like for that one that i was talking about that i looked at this morning i uh, told the contractor we should really have the engineer come and lay out the bed and lay out the tank so there's no issues there whatsoever but what is it like for you guys in terms of separation from water table? What is your uh, distance? And does the frost play a role for you guys? Because you guys are so up north and it's so cold. Well, we will have enough cover normally so that the frost doesn't play a role. But obviously, they always tell you, like, don't drive anything over top of it to drive the, the frost down into the actual bed. But I mean, yeah, sometimes there's not like four or five feet of cover, obviously, over your bed. So never really anything about the frost, but like groundwater, yeah, that is like we have to have a minimum of, I believe it's 60 or 90 centimeters, I believe. Don't, yeah, people listening to this, that, again, I have a guy, uh, Brad, who who does all of our like logistics, like numbers and logistics and everything. And he uh, he looks over all that stuff. So again, I failed the course twice. <laughs> I can install them, but... But to get to, to get to know all the exact numbers and to like talk about, I, I don't know. I know that we haven't, I want to say maybe 60 is crazy anyways, but no frost. It's funny you say that frost isn't because we, we do have really inclement weather. Some like we'll our force mains. Do you call them that? Like mm -hmm. with, you have a, like a pump. Yeah. So like we'll obviously make sure that we have a slope so that the water always slopes back into the, the tank. But sometimes they'll make us insulate that with a two inch SM just over top of it. But yeah, I guess the different weather would come into effect on some stuff. But our, yeah, I, I feel like where we are in the city of Ottawa, like it's crazy because the an average septic bed for us is like about thirty to thirty five thousand dollars Canadian. And then if you go one town over to this other place called Renfrew, which is more like in the more rural, you could do, get away with fifteen thousand dollars all day long. So like our materials, our permitting, our inspections are so much in the city of Ottawa, which is, I like it because they're high ticket. But as the end consumer, as like a client, like when I need a septic in my house, it's like, holy crap. Like a lot of the times in our industry, the homeowners will come out and they'll be like, I'm giving you guys $40,000 and you're just, you're just covering it up. Like that's the hardest part for them where if they pay a landscaper 40 grand, they're probably gonna have a nice little interlock patio to look at or something to enjoy where we're just burying $40,000 worth of work and they're left with a hump with topsoil. So it's kind of like, oh, what the heck? Do you ever run into that when people are like, oh my God, this is so difficult to grab my head around? Yeah, no, pretty much every day. <laughs> I had a homeowner tell me the other day, he goes, did I really just spend five grand on sand? I'm like, yeah, kid, you had to. It's not a choice. And then he's looking at his backyard and he's like, I really didn't want to have this much of a yard to mow. And I'm like, you know, I can't help you here. You have a three bedroom house and you want to put another additional bedroom on it. So I got to upsize the field. I mean, things that people don't think about. And I mean, in terms of pricing, I have the same issue, but it's kind of state to state. So when I did do some work in Massachusetts, the price of a septic is double the price. New Hampshire, it's around say, the same. Sounds like it'd be yeah, more. New Hampshire's around the same ballpark that you guys are at in your town. But um, Massachusetts, it's crazy. And you won't get your septic plan. You could send that in and not get it approved for eight weeks. In New Hampshire, you get like a week turnaround for approval from the state. It's awesome. Wow, that's really good. Yeah.
Yeah, we're about six six weeks. Wow. Yeah. So, and again, that comes down to scheduling and, 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 you know, lining stuff up so that whenever you finally do get to it, like, that's why we run like two at a time, because like, we'll have one that's kind of like ready for inspection as far as like pipe and everything laid. And then if we're waiting for that, we'll move out, scoot to the other one, dig it out. And then when that one's inspected, flip back to the other one. So it kind of works out like that. And a lot of people that are just getting into septics in our industry, they're always like, ask me like, how the hell do you guys make money at this? Because I have, I have a 15 ton excavator sitting there for two days. And, and it's so, yeah, this is a very, it's a niche conversation, but I like having it with you because everything I'm saying, and I know you're acknowledging, it's just, it, yeah, it's a very, it's a fast paced technical industry. Yep. And I like how you said like your machine sitting there for a couple of days and guys are like, how do you make money off of that? And that's kind of where I like that I don't own any equipment yet because I have my five contractors. I call the next guy and say, you know, is yours ready? I'll come and put that in today. Or you guys have two ready for me. I'll come and I'll put both of those in, you know, and I price them as I go based on size. But um, I'm not sure what your field sizes are like anyways, but I'm typically doing anywhere from like two to five bedroom homes, but I do have a really big one for an inn coming up. That'll be the biggest one I've ever done. I'm very excited. <laughs> nice. So when you do these, I mean, uh, feel free to say no or, or don't answer, but uh, how are you, uh, the business side of it then? So are you purely going on as a consultant and, hey, I'm licensed to do this? Or are you buying the pipe, buying the material, or renting a piece of machinery to do it, or getting the machinery there, where do you fit in in that? So when I do a septic that I am pretty much subcontracting myself out for, I don't do any of the dirt work. I work with the contractor. They do all of the materials. So I just show up with my tools. I throw their pipe in and connect that all the right way. And I read the plans and I lay out all the pipe and you know, they'll offer for me to run their equipment if I want to, to backfill their field, or they'll typically be there and they'll backfill it themselves. And I just rake it clean. So whenever you say that, it's just again, because being in septics, you know, like, do you ever run into it where it's like, guys, like, this is just a mess. This is so messy. Like how the quality control, how do you do that? Because with us, like I saw an Instagram video from you and like, you guys were like leaf blowing off the, you know, where a lot of, no, see a lot of other contractors would be like, oh my God, really? But it's like, no, like septics are very like quality, like clean, precise, your beds dug out perfectly square. Your sand layer is perfect. Do you run into that and all the time you're like, okay, guys, this has to be perfect. So that's why I kind of vetted my contractors. There's one contractor that I did stop working for for reasons similar to that. But the guys that I work for know the type of work that I do. And that's why they call me because they do see the attention to detail like you're talking about. Um, a lot of them are really good dirt diggers. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've had really good luck. Like I said, only one contractor I've had to say, you know, I can't do this anymore. But at least I wasn't the one responsible for the work. I wasn't pulling the permits. But it's just like, I don't like working like that. You know, I like to, I don't like to run equipment hard. I don't like sinking my tires into mud up to the wheel wells. Like that's not how I, I ever operate. And for someone to ever try to make me work a way that I'm not accustomed to, or that, you know, makes me feel like it's putting my integrity on the line. I stay away from that. That's not me. I don't care what the money is. Yeah, no, that's very important, especially in our industry. I mean, everything has to be so neat and tidy and, yeah, we we are the same. That's why everyone's like, oh, you keep your your like our 
residential machinery anyways it's like how's everything so neat and perfect and clean and stuff and it's like because that's just how we run as a business like when you're on septics you're not once you you put the sand layer and you're not climbing back on top of that sand layer with clay and mud all in your tracks because that's insane and you're just not going to do that so like hearing you say that it's yeah super important which obviously yeah no it's better to have the extra sand and to keep your tracks clean and you know eat that load of sand and the cost as opposed to putting anything that you've done at risk. And like you said, blowing out the the septic field. I mean, you know, you can't have organics in your field and it's a silly thing, but then it's not so silly when you're pulling out a septic 20 years later and the pipes are wrapped in roots and crap. And you're like, how? This is why it failed. I mean, you have trees too close to fields and I'm dealing with that with designers now. I'm like, why did you put a benchmark in a tree 10 feet away from where the field's going to be? You know, the roots go that far. My God. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff in the industry. I mean, that's what separates good contractors from bad contractors. I mean, like an example, we were just on a job and the weather ended up, you know, turning crappy. And it was like access to get to the house was and it was a big residential, the largest residential we've ever done. And, you know, this client, she was an awesome, awesome lady. And in order for us to get to the septic, like we had to go over this field and it was just sloppy mud because there was rain. So we ended up, we just, we built a road. We built a road out of four inch and we brought five loads of four inch in. We, she's like, oh my God, like how much is it going to cost us? We're like, hey, don't worry about it. We're going to get it done. We're going to do the septic and there's no extra cost to you. This is us to do our job. This is how Ken White, this is how we work. And like that girl then recommended us to three other people that she knows who all have bigger systems as well too. And I'm like, that's how a successful uh, contractor operates, you know, where other guys would have been like, well, this is going to be a hefty extra. You know, it's not my fault that it's raining. Whereas it's like, OK, no, like we'll work with you because that's the type of contractor that we are. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I mean, you can also kind of anticipate that when you go to look at the job and be like, oh, I'm going to have difficult access. Like this is probably going to make, you know, for an extra day of work type of thing. But yeah, not packing it on as an extra in that sense where it's like, you know, inclement weather, like you said, like, but sometimes we'll just completely, you know, skip the day and not fight the weather because it doesn't make sense. You have to be neat. Yeah, it costs you more to actually show up. Yeah, I'm not having pipe delivered in the rain and then putting it on mud before I put it in the field. I'd rather have the field dug to grade, have the truck show up and I'll take the pipe right off the truck into the bed and it stays clean. I hate fighting like spider webs and dirt. And oh, I'm very uh, perfectionist when it comes to septic systems. That's why I like the work though. Yeah, well, that's what's going to make you super successful. So what is the, where where is your, if you had a business plan, if you do have a, a business plan, I'm not a theory guy. So everyone's like, what's your business plan? Like in meetings and I'm like, oh, my ROI, blah, blah, blah. I don't freaking know. Where, where do you see yourself, you know, going w- with this? Like, where do you want to take it? Honestly, that's a really good question because I'm stuck between building what I'm building for myself now with septics, installing, designing, and probably I'll do small residential house lots. But obviously my dad's built this business and his nephew does work for him as well. And me and him have talked about if we would take it on together type of thing or whatnot. He hasn't expressed a strong interest in doing it, even though he's working for the family business right now. So I don't really know what's going to happen with Donald Hebert's septic. I know with me, I'm going to stay in this field because it keeps me happy and active and I love everything it does for my lifestyle. So even if I only, hopefully one day I'm maybe like 55, 60 years old, like my dad, but I'm not working so hard, I may be just installing six septics in a year, but I'm doing enough to just keep myself going, keep myself happy, busy. And I've hopefully put myself in a good enough financial situation to do that. But I just want to honestly install septic systems kind of 
take it easy. And I don't want to work like all these guys do six days a week, 12 hour days. I get that there's a hustle and that there's money to make and all that kind of stuff. But like what happened to doing work because it makes you happy and being okay with making plenty, but not overkilling. That's kind of where I'm at. There's way too much stress. Like you guys are all super stressed out in this field and then not for nothing, you guys don't eat very great in this field. So then people are wondering why people are dropping. Are you talking to me? Tax. I'm talking to all of you. All the steaks <laughs> and stuff. Listen, I love a good steak just like the next person, but we need to take care of ourselves as operators and people in this field. And our work doesn't allow for it because of the scheduling. So people, I just want, I want people to work and be happy and to remember that that's why we do it not just about the money and the hustle and how things look. Because I love a shiny piece of equipment as much as the next guy. I really do. Trust me, probably more than the next guy. You know, you've never seen me around equipment. Oh my God. But point being, like, I just, I kind of, kind of use social media to try to get people to focus back in on what's important and what makes it fun and what brings people to it in the first place, you know? That's super smart. It sounds like you kind of know exactly what you want out of life. Even that's really, that's kind of inspiring to hear that, to be honest with you. And you're even making me question everything, but it, I just feel like there's also, there's, there's two things to, I think it's good to be reminded of the way that you're talking, but I also feel like sometimes some people such as myself, I just don't know any other way. Like my wife, if she could hear me talking, you know, she would be like, listen to that, listen to what she's saying, like, please, you know, but for me, like, I seem to thrive off the chaos, off the stress, off, you know, like, oh, we need cash flow. This month's bad. Let's go. We need to hammer out this, hammer out that. And I think my problem is, this is a good, like, therapy session almost, is I can't find the, I have a hard time finding that happy medium. I want the same thing, like you're talking about when you're 50, when I'm 55, I want that when I'm 40. I mean, that's why I think I'm working like I am now so that, you know, when my daughter's 10 or 15 or 20, I can, I'm kind of chillax. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? Okay, well, let's go do that, you know? And and I have more time, but I feel like there's, there's just, there's different ways. Also, I think different personalities for different ways, but what you're saying is super refreshing to hear. And it sounds like you kind of know exactly what you want out of, out of it. Well, I mean, and I would just like to put it in perspective for you as someone who grew up with a dad in the field, you know, the daughter at the dinner table, watching her dad get up to answer the phone calls all the time because he's so committed to providing what he can for his daughter. That's great. And I admire my dad, but I wish I he had been more present for certain things. And I would love to see him a little less stressed out, even though, like you said, he thrives on the chaos. It's all he knows. It's his everyday life, you know, but also I'm looking at it as, okay, I want to work hard. I take pride in what I do. I have integrity. I've done all these things, but like also like work-life balance and making me happy. And also I'm a woman in the field. So like, I kind of just have like this different perspective of like, I watched my dad. I watched how it impacted his relationship with my mother, with me and then also how it impacts work because now I'm going to work with him and watching how he views the whole world of this industry, like how it runs, like how you have to be there at a certain time because your trucks are showing up and you have an inspector coming that day and you need this done by this day so you can get paid by this date. I completely get the whole thing. It's just for me, I, I don't think that the next generation is taking to the old school way of doing things and that Obviously, I'm a product of that and I'm finding a way to make the industry work for me. And for me, it's pricing things out the right way that I'm not going to kill myself, that I'm not 
you know, like kill my body because my body's already aching. Um, not overprice it for like my customers, you know, make sure that they're getting what they're paying for and stuff, but making sure I'm happy in my day-to-day life where I don't feel like I'm just working to no end. Yeah. No, everything you're saying, like I'm just in awe. Uh, yeah, you're super smart. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're making me question whenever you're talking about your dad being at the dinner table and answering the phone. I mean, like, I say this all the time to my wife and I know this podcast is about you, but I, I like chiming in on my own because you're making me think. But like uh, there's a lot of times like I always say to my wife, like I'm not a, I'm not a good father. And, and I think that making that I'm very self-aware in that sense. But the only reason I do what I do is for my family. Like I know my daughter is going to be fully set up and and, you know, uh, any future kin or, or family members or whatever are going to be good. And everything will be set up perfectly. But maybe that's just a coping mechanism I'm using to actually just keep doing what I'm doing because I am the same like your dad, you know, like I'm in here when they're eating dinner or, you know, like all last week I was at business meetings or events all at night trying to just improve and keep chasing the almighty kind of dollar. I love it. I love what I do. But I think you're right. There is more value in kind of being more present because like it does take a toll on your body you know a year ago today was the first day i actually had a fibrillation and you know that was caused due to stress and yeah you're just really making me think here which is really uh really important <laughs> i know we probably didn't intend for it to go down this route but for me this is this is why i do what i do though like i like the freedom i have over what i do and who i work for and what i'm associated with and you know, that's all important to me and setting myself up for a better future. You know, I'm still young. I don't have kids yet and I want to be able to work and have kids. And as a woman in this field, I can't be pregnant in equipment. So I'm lucky where it's like I've learned septic designing. So like that's going to be a way that I'll cope with that when that part of my life happens. And maybe, you know, I'll be lucky and cat will be a little further along with cat command technology. Maybe I could work from outside the cab, you know, <laughs> but um. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm set up where I could do better than my dad. You know, he did great and I admire him and I completely see all the sacrifices that he had to make now that especially I'm in the industry. You don't really appreciate or understand it until you're in the industry. But um, I just want to make it better. Yeah, and I think you are. We are less than 100 days from the 2023 show. That's right. We are coming up on the largest construction family reunion in North America. Con Expo Con Egg is going to be here before we know it. If you have not registered yet, there's still time to secure your tickets. Visit conexpoconag.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right, 20% off with promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown to the show and comment below to let us know you're going to be there and what you're most excited to see. You touched on being a woman in the industry, and I just had a fun fact here that only in the U.S., 10.9, which you probably already know this, 10.9% of construction workers are female and like 90% are male. Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe you could correct me, but that's that's what I read on the old yeah. Google. And for me, I actually when I wrote this down, I had it in my head because I know some women in the industry in my area that when you talk about like women in construction and they're like, I don't want to highlight it. I don't want to talk like I'm just I'm just doing my job. And then some women are like, no, like I want to be an advocate for it. And I want to talk about it. and I want to show why it's good or the pros and the cons and like draw more women into the industry. So are you an advocate for I want to speak about women in construction and why I'm here doing it? Yes, definitely. Um, so 
that was also a lot of the reason why I started my social media page was because I didn't see anybody else like me doing what I was doing. And, you know, I wanted to connect with other women that were hoping that there was other women out there that were. But more on that. Yeah. So I wanted to connect with other women in the industry. I want other women to see that it doesn't matter how small you may be, any human actually, how small you may be, because I've probably heard this every week, my entire career that I'm not built for this, physically not built for this, being five feet tall and being, you know, a smaller woman. And um, I mean, I get it. I'm not trying to say that I'm going to outlabor that big jack dude on the other side of the site. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that I can do the job efficiently, effectively and get it done. And that no one else should shy away from the work, especially if it brings you joy. And like I said, the benefits, like, I mean, I don't have to go to the gym. That's really nice. I can just go to work and I, the labor work keeps me fit and healthy. And like, it keeps my brain going. Like I'm someone who needs to um, have something to focus on. Like you said, you're very go, go, go. So for me, being in equipment is that go, go, go. It's thinking, okay, what's around me? What's behind me? How deep do I got to dig down? Where's my next move? How do I work in and out of the site? That is the type of thinking that I really enjoy. And I think that there's a lot of people who think the same way and they haven't found something stimulating enough for them to do or the right fit for them. And I think that we have this idea of who we're supposed to be and that instead of being afraid to try new things because they might not seem like to other people, you know, the ideal thing that you're supposed to do you know, that we should try to do them. I mean, I went to college to be a politician. My mother worked for the federal government and she was very big in politics. And my father is in the construction industry and they're polar opposites. I mean, their whole lives are polar opposites. So for me, I've kind of been in the middle back and forth, you know, my whole life. And um, I found that this was the fit for me. (laughs) Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that I'm with you on that. I think that it is good for women in construction to actually speak about it rather than take the oppose of like, well, I'm not out to prove anything. I don't care, you know, but it's like, well, maybe you could say that if it was 90% women and 10% male, you know what I mean? Like we have to bring women in the industry. And I don't even, I don't even think it's like trying to like convert women. Again, this is a guy talking about it, obviously, but I think of it, how I relate it is my daughter. I have a daughter and, you know, I always, you know, when she comes into the the shop with the guys, I'm like, here's your future boss boys, you know? And, uh, I think it's good because I want her to have positive influences and be able to go to Al the little operator on Instagram and be like, man, like this woman is so sick. Like she's in construction. She's happy. Look at her. And this is amazing. And it's a positive influence in the industry. So I really stick behind what you're doing because you're not going about it in the phase of like, I'm better than everybody else and I can outbeat this and I can outbeat that. You're just like, hey, I can do it. And so can a lot of other women. And that's how I relate it is to my daughter. And I think that it would be good for her to have somebody such as yourself being like, hey, this is what I do and you can do it too. Well, thank you. Because for me, like being in the industry, the biggest thing for me to maintain on social media was my integrity, my professionalism, who I really am and to not put out there that I'm some person that I'm not. So I'm not always posting myself up on Instagram because it's not about me. It's about the work. And, you know, I get that it's important to show women like I'm a woman and I'm on site, but it's like, when is it also too much? You know, like 
it's like a whole balancing act of being a woman in construction, seriously, because then you're, you're now wondering, do I look, do I look okay? And also like, why am I worrying if I look okay? Because it's like, I'm here to do work, but also what's going to get people's attention online. It's a, it's a true balancing act. And, you know, I'm not the type of person where I'm a tomboy, but I'm not really girly either. Like I'm, I'm kind of all these things and I'm trying to balance them into one person and to make sure that I can put out a good example and an accurate representation of who I am and just let girls know they can just be a normal girl in the construction industry. Like you don't have to be this like super hot model or you don't have to be the complete opposite. You don't have to be one of the tomboys who's really rough around the edges. Like you can be anything and be in this industry. You just need to work hard and know your stuff. I can't stress it enough. You have to know what you're doing. You have to have the experience to back it up or the willingness to learn. You can't just go out there and just want to be a woman on the site either. That doesn't work either. It's not authentic. Hopefully when, uh, when my daughter's old enough, she, we will listen to this podcast um, and she can hear you speak. That's very, very moving. And it's like when you said like, you know, it's, it's difficult, like you were saying, like finding the balancing act. I feel like it's almost like because you guys are kind of put on a pedestal as well, too, because unlike, you know, if this was a different industry this is the blue collar industry. And I'm sure you know exactly what I mean by that. The guys are a little more rough and tough. You know, site talk. You've heard site talk the way it is, which it needs to change, obviously. And I feel like because of that, you're putting on a pedestal like, oh, what's this girl doing? Why does she think that she should show this and show that? How do you work around that? Like, we're like, yeah, maybe some days I do want to post a picture of me in a nice dress or me in a nice outfit. I'm hanging out with my friends. But then the next day I got my gloves on and I'm slinging pipe in a septic system and I'm covered in dirt, you know, like, how do you balance that? Like showing that? And are you always like, okay, I don't want to show too much of this or show too much of that. Like, and like you said, showing the work. How do you balance that, I guess? Because I feel like you're put on like a pedestal almost when it's like not fair, but it's the truth. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many women who are in trades and on social media. So there is definitely more attention. And for me, I've tried to keep it professional on my page. That's my professional page. But I've checked in with my followers over the years. Hey, do you guys want me to separate my personal life from my my professional life? And they're like, no, we like seeing little bits and pieces of it, you know, things like that. So... I do like it and my followers like it. And lucky for me, I've managed to meet a lot of my followers, whether they're real life friends or through the industry or whatnot. So they've sat down and had conversations with me like me and you are doing now. And once they hear me talk and realize that, like you said, site talk, like I could be like one of the guys, like it's just like talking to one of the guys on site. They end up recognizing, you know, that this is who I am and they feel more comfortable with me. There is not a lot of you know, me outside of work per se. There is on my story to keep people posted, but I'm not doing it on my my grids, my page to, you know, I don't need any validation from that. Like, yes, I, you know, I cleaned up nice one day. That's great. You know, awesome. But it's about the work. Yep. And that's really what I care about. It's it's about the work. <laughs> it's hard to even get a picture of me and a piece of equipment on site because I'm the one taking the pictures. I think that that's really important. And I think that a, a woman in the industry should be allowed. I mean, if she is in the industry and she majority wanted to to post, you know, lifestyle pictures or lifestyle stuff, she should be able to do that too, 100%. But it's like what you're saying is, you know, it's important to not just show that because then, like you said, those 
those might get scrutinized more because it's easier for the blue collar dudes to be like, well, all you're doing is taking pictures like where you're like, hey, look at me doing this work. Like you could probably install a septic 10 times better than I could, you know, and it's like that's I think where like the proof is in the pudding kind of thing where you're like, look at me doing this rather than just like talking about or showing a picture of me doing something. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. That's why I've tried to change my content. But I've been trying to branch out my um, content more. So trying to put the phone down and get video of me installing the field and things like that, just to show like I am the one doing the work also. But again, it's typically me alone on a site or me and my dad on a site. And I'm just getting him to get used to being on camera. So that's also a work in progress. It's just, you know, the old school ways. But anyways, point being, yeah, um, it's a lot about how you go about it, being a, a woman in construction and how you present yourself online and being aware of everything and all of your followers and how anyone can take it and just maintaining your integrity. Well, hopefully 10, 20 years, there's more women doing what you're doing because of what you're doing right now. And I fully believe that there will be because like I say, like, this isn't just for the podcast. I would love my daughter to listen to this one day. And if she chooses to get into construction, then she does. If she wants to do something else, she can as well, too. Well, not that she has a choice, but uh <laughs> Got work in the family business. No, but um, uh, hopefully, you know, like there is more because of what you're doing right now. But when you talk about the machinery and you doing it and, you know, getting in, in, you know, the excavator or doing that. And I know that you're in your family business. You guys have lots of cat. I was talking to my dad about it the other day. We were just making jokes about company vehicles and company equipment and things like that. And I said something along the lines of, you know, if you want to. Um, something about him being my dad. I was like, if you want to get rid of me and not be my dad, then it's going to cost you 305. And he laughed. He he laughed so hard because he's not my biological father, you know, and he's always like, oh, like, you know, you're so lucky to have me. I'm like, you're lucky to have me. I'm free labor. <laughs> I was free labor for years. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we always just make jokes about things like that. And yeah, we we love our equipment. We drive around to the uh, the dealerships and spend our Saturday mornings going to look at new equipment and give our uh, salesmen a hard time. You know, it's just like, that's, that's like a lot of our relationship. You know, I couldn't imagine my life not running equipment and not working with my dad. It's, it's great. I'm really lucky. So then I guess where my brain goes, you know, for me, I remember when I was at the, in the family business, there was a point where I wanted to expand like we, we have. And I was like, Hey, dad, either we're doing this and this is what I want to do, or I'm going to go out and do it on my own. And he kind of was like, all right, let's see what you can do in the next kind of six months with everything here. And we ended up in like social media. I started doing that and it kind of snowballed into more work, which snowballed into getting more people and more machinery. And it kind of went from there. Right. So how come you don't build the family business and, and, and do that and, and that route, I guess. It kind of goes down to like, how I kind of want to live my life. I don't want all those problems, the headache of the employees, and neither does my father, which is why we've kept it small. I'm sure we could expand if you want to, but then you end up, you know, someone's in a piece of equipment, something gets banged up and you don't know who did it, you know? And it just seems, it seems like more problems happen with the bigger you get. So we don't like that. We like to keep it small and easy. Another contractor I do a lot of my work for, because like it's typically I'll do a lot of stuff with Donald Hebert Septic. And then the other one is La Pierre Septic. Um, and he's a one man show, but his father is in the septic pumping industry and outhouses and things like that. So 
he taught himself how to install septics, but he got an in in the field like from his father. But I work with him a lot one on one and he does total opposite. He does stone and pipes. My dad does enviros like they're the same, but they're different. So I learn a lot from the both of them. But he set up how I want to be set up. He's got two excavators, a loader. He does his own trucking, which I won't even do that. And he just does a septic every week or two. And he keeps going nine months of the year and goes to Florida for the winter. And that's how I want to be set up more relaxed. You know? Yeah, I agree. There's something to be said about that. That is nice. I mean, we haven't been on vacation in a long time. And I know that like going forward, that is well now with like kids and stuff like that too. It's, it's super important. So it makes total sense. You kind of were like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I know what I want to do. And we're going to kind of dive down and, and do this. So I really respect that. Um, as far as con expo to change it a speed, I know that you're going this year, right? I am. I'll actually be speaking. Nice. So, so what are you going to be speaking about? What are kind of some things that you'll be doing there? A brief overview. Don't give away all the secrets. <laughs> of course, of course. So a little bit like of my backstory, my dad had always told me growing up that there was this, this event called Con Expo and that, you know, he wanted to take me one day. And finally, after being in, you know, the industry, I heard about it online. And um, I was like, oh, like, it's that Con Expo you were talking about. We should go. And my dad doesn't like to fly. So he wasn't about it, wasn't about it. So I flew out and that was, um, what was it, 2020? So that was my first visit out there. And um, I remember sitting at the Tech Talk, looking up at the stage, seeing Aaron Witt, Jimmy Starbuck, Missy Sherber, and going, I'm going to be up there one day. And now I can't believe I'm going to be up there. <laughs> like, you know, it's like a, a full circle moment for me that I really didn't think would happen this quickly. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really impressive. I mean, to be able to sit there and be like, uh, and then in the short span of three years now, actually be like, I'm going and doing this. I mean, your friends and family must be super proud. Yeah. I mean, my dad's never going to give me the credit for social media, you know, um, Same. from the day I started. It's it's a waste of time if it's not making you money. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, look at me now, dad. I'm talking to Taylor on the Con Expo podcast. And it's <laughs> oh. it's funny because I told my dad I was doing this interview with you and he was like, oh, I've watched him on YouTube. He's like, he's kind of like the reckless one of the industry. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm going to get along with him. He's very much so like me. You know, we like to kick it off and change things up a bit. So, yeah, I mean, you got to stir the pot. I mean, uh, it's I don't know. I feel like you can get everyone can get so stuck in. I don't know. It's fun to show yourself and be authentic. Yes. And like, I'm not a person who takes life too seriously ever. And that's why I think some people are like, like, we're just renovating our office and everyone who walks through, it's like, so where's yours? And I'm like, I don't have an office in here. Like right now I'm at my house and like, I'm not an office guy. Like I, I'm in a, a fortunate enough position where I was able to hire out, you know, like project manager and an estimator. But my role is totally like the, the you know, business development and like Instagram and social media and just like showing the business, being the face and yeah, like I like that that he said that 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 ring that, that's nice. Like the reckless one, I like that. That's that suits me perfectly. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. So what? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, crew collab. Is that something you're still a part of? Is that something that's still ongoing? Yes. Yeah, so um, crew is actually going to be a partner, I believe. Is that how? I don't know if that's the correct terminology. Um, but we're going to have a booth up at Con Expo, which is super no exciting. Yeah, because we started that out of us all pretty much meeting after Con Expo. Um, from being online, it was originally, you know, a woman in construction movement. And then we expanded from there to men and 
more than just, um, you know, equipment world. Now we're welding and plumbing and electricians. And, you know, we're really just trying to get the rest of the world as excited about blue collar as we are, especially with how much help, you know, we're going to need in the coming years and also how much we all enjoy it. I mean, look at us all getting together and having a great time all the time. I mean, it's a really awesome industry to be a part of. But yeah, so crew just like started out like that as a, you know, a, a grassroots type of uh, construction industry movement. And now, you know, we're going to have a booth at Con Expo. And um, I think crew is actually the one hosting the panels that I'm going to be speaking on. I'm going to be speaking on the how to build your personal brand panel with um, a couple other people that I'm super excited to have on there. Um, I don't really want to put their names out there yet because I don't know if it's I don't know if it's um, official or not yet, but super excited. Yeah, crew is doing great. We're doing classroom talks, uh, which we just do like these um, phone calls with students. And a lot of us are on the job site. I have one, I think, next week. And we just tell them, you know, about what we're doing. And they like seeing us on site. They like seeing a familiar, younger faces, especially. Um, They really take to that. It's not just a job description they're hearing about. And you can't get every high school to turn over into a trade school. Because if I had it my way, every high school would be a trade school. We all need basic life skills to fall back on. You know, I can always fall back on carpentry. I was originally, you know, in car- in carpentry. They didn't have um, equipment operating in high school. And if they did, it was diesel tech. And they got rid of diesel tech halfway through my experience, which isn't fair. And also look at how it's hurting the industry now that we're phasing it out of high schools. That's a big issue. That's uh Everything you're doing, I mean, you share such a love for the industry. I think everything that you're a part of speaks to kind of who you are. And like to summarize that, I mean, like the part that got me a lot is, I mean, like being a woman in construction. I mean, that is you have such a love for the, the industry that I think is so infectious. And I think that a lot of people like male and female need to listen to you because like there's a lot of takeaways just from you talking that I have on this that are like made me think a lot too. So like, I think if someone was listening to this, like our listeners, like don't think that this is like a woman in in construction only, you know, it's like, no, you're like this, you're a person in construction that obviously is an advocate for women in construction, but like everything you're saying resonates so much with me as well. And it's like, I think that that's super infectious on what you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's for me, like I said, I'm not like an enemy that wants to come in and change the industry because I love what the industry is. I mean, even the site talk gets me sometimes. It has me cracking up. I enjoy the the fresh breath of air that I get from, you know, male conversation talking about football and casinos and all that kind of stuff. Cool stuff, you know? So like... Is that what we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) You not? I mean, are you not doing parlay bets every week on football? I mean, you are Canadian, so probably not. If my wife's listening, no, but yes. <laughs> exactly. So there we go. <laughs> so, you know, point being, I have some interests that aren't typically female interests. So I do get along with males better in that aspect. But the point being is like, I love this industry and I love what it is. And I want to see the guys that have been in it and have, you know, struggled and like come out on top and built all this for them, like for themselves, like bravo, congratulations. Like I'm really it's amazing, but also can we make it a little bit easier for the next guys, please? Because like, you guys didn't deserve to go through all that. You guys deserve to get paid more. You guys don't deserve the the bad knees and the bad ankles and the bad backs from no air ride seats and sitting on ridiculous slopes all day. You know, that stuff kills me. So can we just make it easier for everybody, you know? 
yeah we need more of that because i think being an advocate it's really important to actually being able to because i feel like there are some people both male and female on both sides of it that are advocates for the industry that maybe lack the actual in the industry you know what i mean which is good we need more advocates in the industry and i'm not shunning away those people but it's important to have people like you as well that are like i'm actually in it i eat sleep breathe it i grew up in a family that did it and i think that that's why you are so successful at what you do because you have all those characteristics well thank you yeah no i just try to um like i said i just try to take in everything i've observed over the years in the field as someone who is a worker and as the daughter of, um, you know, a contractor and um, just trying to see if there's any give and take we can, we can do on both sides for, you know, personal life and professional life and trying to make sure that dad's there for graduation, but also that dad can provide, you know? So for me, like a lot of where my passion comes is, you know, from where I grew up in my environment and my dad, you know, I, I want to make him proud. I want to make his life easier and men that do what he does. I want their lives to be easier. I want them to be more understood. And I want them to have help and to feel genuinely heard and seen. I mean, and it happens to me in the most random places that I have conversations like I'm having with you where, you know, we're having a podcast interview right now. And that's, that's great. But like, we actually have an actual connection on what we're talking about in both of our life experiences because we have similar upbringings. And it happens to me when I go out in public all the time, I manage to pick out any equipment operator in a room and end up striking up a conversation with them. And the wife always comes over to me. He needs to be home more. And I'm like, sweetheart, you're hundred percent right. He does. But if he comes home six o'clock at night and, you know, dinner was ready and, you know, it's not warm anymore and you're upset because he wasn't there when dinner was ready. I said, put it in the oven for him and heat it up because he will appreciate it tenfold still. Just because he wasn't able to be there to, at that hour for you, you know, doesn't mean that he's not there, but you both need to compromise in the middle. I get the struggle on both ends. I really do. I'm excited for people to hear the like extended conversation of this in March at Con Expo because I, you, I mean, even if you weren't planning on talking like this, just grab that mic and, and just go, please, because uh, you're going to get the whole room fired <laughs> up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's what I was nervous about. My mouth can tend to uh, get me in trouble a little bit. Like I, like you said, though, you know, exactly. Yeah. You know, we're always kind of like the reckless ones in the industry and kind of, you know, what is the term that they used? Uh, something about kicking the beehive, I remember, was one that we used for crew. So, yeah, I mean, I typically enjoy doing that kind of conversation. That's my forte. I like it. <laughs> um, and I like to make people think and not do things the same way that we've always done them, because, you know, that's a problem. Not saying there's anything wrong with the way we've been doing things all these years. There's definitely some value to this tried and true, uh, you know, methods. But, yeah, we definitely got to try some some new ways of conducting business and expectations for workers and try to find ways that maybe we can organize business so people have more freedom and it still runs effectively, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do on my own. Totally. Totally. If there's, where can people come and reach you? Like Instagram at Al the Little Operator? It's Instagram at the Little Operator. And um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And LinkedIn, what's the name on LinkedIn? Alexandra Smith. It's just my regular name. Perfect. And I actually, yeah, yeah. You have a link tree on your Instagram that people can go to and find a bunch of other stuff that you've done as well too. I saw some micro episode there too. And 
Oh yeah, that was great. The, the micro episode, the um, Earth Movers Media Podcast episode. You got a lot going on. Some good stuff. So just stay tuned, I guess. You guys can check it all out. Um, Global Operator Challenge stuff. Check that out. Nice. Well, we can continue it all in March. I really appreciate you coming on. This conversation was uh, one of my favorite by far. So thank you for coming on, Al. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Con Expo Con Egg Podcast. That is brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. We'll catch you on the next one. We are less than 100 days from the 2023 show. That's right. We are coming up on the largest construction family reunion in North America. Con Expo Con Egg is going to be here before we know it. If you have not registered yet, there's still time to secure your tickets. Visit conexpoconag.com and use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's right, 20% off with promo code PODCAST20. If you already have your tickets to the show, join us in the countdown to the show and comment below to let us know you're going to be there and what you're most excited to see.